0: Our sermon text for this morning comes to us from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. It reads like this, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. You may be seated. And grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. It is an honor to be with you for the first time in the pulpit. Uh, I have a contingent of people here from Trinity Utica waiting to see if I actually fall out, I think. So, But it is great to see uh, all the family and faces uh, here today and for all of you here. Uh, it's a joy to start to dive right into the scripture. With you. And I want to paint a little context of this text from Ephesians 5. So, what I'm going to do is reflect on the opening sentences of this letter uh, that Paul writes to the Ephesian church. And so, if you would, with me, just look at the screen uh, for the first opening sentences to this letter. Paul says, This is to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. So Paul is writing to Christians, and not just to Christians, but to those who are faithful in Christ Jesus. And he means to give them a word of encouragement and hope. Uh, And so he continues by reminding them who they are and who they belong to. And so this is what he says in the opening sentences some more. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as son through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, and to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. So this letter is not necessarily written to those who do not yet believe in Jesus. It's written to us, to you, and to to me, who understand and who have, at least through the power of the Holy Spirit, come to believe that Jesus is who he said he is, that he is the one that came to rescue us from darkness, and not just darkness, but from sin, from death, from the devil, who would love to have his way with us, and also from the grave. This is why we're here is to spend time with our Lord and to be reminded and strengthened in our faith. And God wrote these words to encourage us as Christians and to walk as children of light. But the reality is, if we were to go out onto the street today and you would just walk amongst the crowd that's here, chances are you would not know the difference between the Christian and the non-Christian. Why? Because we all act alike, we all talk alike, and it's just a melting pot of people who are out there, and you don't know whether or not they believe in Jesus. So what's happening is the truth of Scripture, the promise of him who has the words of eternal life, is not making a connect from our head to our heart. On an ongoing, all the way down to the core of our fiber of our being basis. And God is saying, remember, you were darkness... And now you are light. Walk as children of light. And he is a God of light, and we oftentimes will profess this when we use the words of the Nicene Creed. It goes something like this in the second article. It says, we believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. He's begotten of the Father before all worlds. The God of God, light of light, very God of very God. This is the God of light we're here to worship today. He invited you to be reminded of the fact that His light is flowing through you. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, God has worked faith in our hearts. And ordinarily for us as Christians, that begins at baptism when we got to see little Mallory welcomed into God's kingdom today. And faith already starting in our heart. For some, faith comes a little later as we hear over and over again the words of Scripture and we become uh, those that believe in Jesus As an adult convert, so we are worshiping the God of light, and and Paul wants to remind us again that we are children of light, no longer of darkness. He actually uses the phrase, You were darkness. He doesn't say you were dwelling in darkness, he says, You, you were darkness. In other words, you were sin. You marred God's beautiful creation by your thoughts, your words, your deeds. And now God changed you. You were darkness, but now you are a child of the light. Do you feel changed? Having known Jesus as your Lord and Savior, do you feel changed? It's it's not a matter of whether or not we feel it. God has declared it. You are changed. And so here's what we get to do as a response. We get to live a changed life. This isn't a have to. This is a we get to. God is saying, you get to live a changed life. We don't follow the Ten Commandments in order to earn God's love. No. We follow those because of what God has done for us. And out of a response for that, we're changed. We live as a child of light. God reminds us of what that change looks like uh, time and time again as he uses that theme all the way through uh, the letter to the Ephesian church uh, In earlier chapters, he uses a little stronger language. He doesn't talk about darkness. He says, you were dead, but I made you alive. And then the scripture continues in Ephesians chapter 2. It says this, remember that you were at the time separated from Christ. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. In other words, you were foreigners, transplants. Out of curiosity, how many people here are native to Frankenmuth? Born and raised, you're what they call a homegrown tomato. Okay. In God's kingdom, you don't understand the culture. You were a transplant. You have to get to know the culture, and the only way we do that is through the power of the Holy Spirit. All of us are transplants in God's kingdom, in God's economy. He made a way for us to be a part of that community. So what does that mean? If all of us were foreigners, if all of us were alienated from God, but now he says we're family, what does that mean? Well, one thing that it would mean is that there should never at any time be any kind of backbiting or harboring of ill feeling towards Christians, our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Why? Because we are family. And family sticks together. And as the Christian church is going to start to get persecuted more and more as time goes on, we as a church body are going to realize we need to stick together. We're family. If we were enemies of God and now we are his heirs, if we are basically his children, we are children to the Most High God, then everything we get to do is a reflection that I'm God's child. You ever use your lips in an off-color joke? Or maybe uh, there's more curse words that come out of your mouth than uh, words that build up and edify? This instrument is the same instrument that we use to praise our Heavenly Father. We got done singing a song that says, Lord, let my words be seasoned with your grace, that I may not give offense That's what we get to do as Christians. If we were dead and now we are alive, just what that means. We can live in the freedom that God has given us. The forgiveness of sins and the promise of hope to everlasting life. Now some struggled with that, especially the Ephesian church. Many of those people that were in Ephesus at the time of Paul writing this letter were adult converts. They came to faith later on in life, and they had some questions now that they were believers. One of them was, okay, I believe in Jesus, but my loved one doesn't, my spouse doesn't, so what does that mean for us? Or I hang out with a group of friends, and they talk about all the fun that they get to have, and and how much oh they were just there was an orgy, and there was all kinds of drinking and partying, and, and boy, I used to be a part of that, and I want to miss I, I miss it. I'm supposed to give that all up? Am I supposed to rebuke my friends? Am I supposed to cut myself off and only live with Christians? These are the kind of questions that the Ephesians were asking because they came to faith later in life. But the reality is, 2,000 years later, we ask those same kind of questions, even if we grew up in the church or we had a a Lutheran school that gave us a solid teaching. We ask those same questions. Do I have to cut myself off from my friends? Do I have to rebuke my loved ones and hold them to task? Who here, just by a show of hands, knows somebody that does not yet believe in Jesus. Does that break your heart? Do you pray for them on a regular basis? Or are you sometimes like me who says, well, you know, I have my belief. They have theirs. Everything's going to be out all right in the end. I pray it breaks your heart. I really do. I pray that you have such a heart for them coming to know Jesus that you pray for them on a regular basis and let God transform their hearts. When we walk as children of light... We get to reflect on those relationships that matter most to us. And God wants that first relationship to be with him. Sometimes there are those of us, the first relationship we think of is our work, and we're workaholics, and we spend way too much time at work. The other relationship that often gets a lot of attention is the one that says, me, myself, and I. As long as I get what I want, I'm good. But that's not what God wants for us. He wants us to walk as children of light. The scripture continues today. It says, Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. And in this sentence, try to discern, God is not saying, go figure out what makes me happy. We already know what makes him happy. He sent his son in love because he loved us so much that he said, I want to make sure there is no obstacle to the relationship that stands between you and me, my child. And so I send my son to rescue you from darkness, from sin, death, and the devil. And to welcome you into my family. And that nothing would ever separate you from my love. That is what pleases our Lord. That gospel message of life and salvation through Christ. And we as Christian brothers and sisters, as sons of God, can live in that freedom. He says, test me in this and that scripture. When he's saying discern, he's saying just test me. Spend time in the Holy Scriptures and get to know me more and more and how great my love is. When those nails pierced the hands of my son and his feet, and out of love for you, he cried out, Father, forgive them. He didn't curse you, he took on the weight of our sin for us so that we can live in freedom and we can change the world through the power of the Holy Spirit. Church, do you believe that Christians can change the world? Show of hands. We can through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you an example of how this happened even in Bible times. There was a practice in the Roman rule world, in the Greek world, basically most of the world except for the Jewish people. And this is how they would treat their babies. So imagine like a little Mallory who was just baptized, All right, If mom and dad were Roman and they really wanted a boy rather than a girl, you know what they could do? Just leave them out in the elements and let the elements take that child. It was called the practice of exposure, exposure to the elements. If that child was sick or deformed or had the face that only a mother can love, all right, they could put that child out in the elements and just let B happen. What happened? S- hundreds of thousands of babies died. Some of those babies were scooped up by other Roman families and pressed into slavery. If that child was family was poor and it was just another mouth to feed, be done with them. They're too much of a burden. You notice how we don't do that anymore? You know what changed and how it changed? Christians changed society. How? They didn't go protest the Roman Senate. They didn't say, this isn't right. They didn't go up to the parents and commit acts of violence against them, saying, well, you caused that child to die, I'm going to take you out. No. Christians who learned to value life because their God valued them, when they had a child, if it was a girl when they wanted a boy, you know what they did? They loved that little girl the priceless treasure that she was, the princess of the Most High God. They loved her. If that child was sick or deformed or had a face that only a mother could love, they loved that little child because they recognized the one who loved them first was Jesus Christ who values all life. And they started to value the life of all people and they changed the world over the course of 300 years They changed the world. Roman citizens started to realize their practice was gross and inhumane. They saw what the Christians were doing, and they wanted to be able to do that too, love their children. And they changed the world. And as they saw that change, that contrast, they wanted to know why, and the church got to communicate who Jesus was to them, and many came to faith. They changed the world. My brothers and sisters, we can change the world also through the power of the Holy Spirit. How? We don't need to go rebuking our neighbor or the guy that's standing on the street. We don't need to go calling our family to task. But we can love them. We can pray for them. We can give them a reason to have hope and we can live our life that says, you know what, Jesus matters to me. I no longer live in darkness. I'm a child of light. And there's a contrast And those folks can say, I want what you have. And we can speak a word of hope into their lives as we talk about Jesus as Lord and Savior who loved them so much that he laid down his life for them so that they too can have a relationship with our most high God. We can walk as children of light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And now may the peace of God that surpasses our human understanding guard our hearts and our lives in Christ Jesus. Amen.